episode was pre-recorded as part of a live continuing education webinar. On-demand CEUs are still available for this presentation through all CEUs. Register at allceus.com slash counselor toolbox. I'd like to welcome everybody to today's presentation on relapse prevention during the holidays. Over the next little while, we're going to define relapse in case um, you're not familiar with the concept, which, well, we'll talk about it. And we'll identify exacerbating and mitigating factors for relapse. We'll also explore unique relapse triggers and traps during the holidays and things our clients can do in order to most effectively um, address some of those relapse traps. So relapse is the recurrence of symptoms, and it can be emotional, you know, feeling depressed, feeling anxious, feeling angry, uh, cognitive, getting that stinking thinking back is what we call it in addiction, uh, in addiction work, but it's basically the irrational thoughts and cognitive distortions that can keep people stuck. And then behavioral symptoms, whether that be um, oversleeping, overeating, uh, using substances that you know, you're not supposed to use or using them to excess, um, any of those things can be a recurrence of symptoms or a relapse that we're referring to. Relapse warning signs are when the person starts down that path. Now, everybody's relapse is a bit different. Part of it's depending on your diagnosis, but also part of it's just kind of depending on where you are um, emotionally, mentally, and physically at that point in time. Some people will start feeling blue. They'll start feeling more negative. They'll start feeling more blah, which may be the onset of the beginning of a relapse. A lot of times in relapse and addiction treatment, somebody comes in and they say, this relapse just hit me from out of the blue. And I don't believe that. I really, unless something like major critical happened in their lifetime um, in, in the past, you know, week, like they lost their house or something, um, generally relapses start long before they actually have a full-blown episode again, whether it's an episode of depression, um, generalized anxiety, bipolar disorder, addiction, any of those. So it's important to understand that relapse isn't just an addiction term. We're going to talk about it in terms of co-occurring for the purposes of this presentation. Relapse warning signs, living mindlessly. If you realize, and I did this the other day, I was driving home from, and I can't even remember where now, the store, and uh, there are four exits between the store I go to and the exit I get off for my house, and I got to the exit that I get off from my house, and I totally don't remember the other three exits, driving past them or anything. I was driving mindlessly. I was kind of lost in my own little world. Um, that's not the best when you're driving, but it's also not the best when you're living. If you're just getting up and going through the motions and going to sleep and you can't really remember what you did that day. It's like, you know, I remember getting up, but I, I don't remember a lot of what else I did or how I felt um, because we have a lot of feelings during the day. The average person has 15 anger situations a day. Now, why is that important? Well, because anger is one of our threat warning signs, anger can lead us to be more hypervigilant. It can exacerbate depression. Um, so if you have these 15 situations in a day, and it's not that you're 
seeing them, letting them go, and deciding they're not worth your effort, but you're not even really noticing. You're just kind of stuffing them down and going, whatever. Um, it can add up over time. So living mindlessly is a big deal. We want to make sure that people are paying attention to what they're eating. Um, you know, that's one of my big battle cries is to make sure that you give your body the building blocks it needs to make the neurotransmitters that you need to feel happy, but also to stay healthy. Um, overcommitting. Some people overcommit to avoid feeling feelings. You know, it's better to stay busy, um, which is true in the short term. But if you're overcommitting to avoid feeling feelings indefinitely, that can't go on indefinitely. Overcommitting implies that you're doing more than you've got the energy to do. You're not dealing with all this undercurrent, which you're having to use some energy to keep bottled up. It's not just like you put a cork on it and you're done with it. You have to use some energy. It's more like leaning against my, my daughter's closet door to try to keep it closed from the avalanche. Um, God love her. Anyhow, <laughs> overcommitting can also be done to get approval or to not disappoint other people. If every time somebody says, will you help me, and you feel guilty if you don't say yes, this can be a relapse warning sign. Why? Because if you're needing everyone else's approval now one person you're not probably not going to overcommit if you just say yes to one person uh, but if you're saying yes to four five six people you might want to look at whether you're doing that because you need external validation which is a relapse warning sign sleeping too much or too little as we get depressed as we get anxious um, a lot of times the sleep schedule starts getting wonky um, and depending on um, the person, it could be too much or it could be they have insomnia. They, they're just too stressed out and they can't sleep at all. Same thing with eating. We eat for a variety of reasons. A lot of times it's not just hunger. Um, so if someone is eating too much because they're trying to basically stuff their emotions, uh, that can be a problem. That's a clue that something is going on that needs to be addressed or they're headed down the road toward a full-blown episode of whatever. Failing to relax and include pleasurable activities. Yes, it's important. We can't just work and sleep and eat. We need to enjoy life. Oh, my gosh. Take time to smell the roses. It doesn't have to be three hours a day. It can be 15 minutes. But do something where you can say, all right, you know, there was a real good reason I got up out of bed today and I'm doing it right now. Getting stressed over things you can't control. One of the things we find with people with addictions, but also um, anxiety and depression, uh, is people are stressed over things they can't control. So they are constantly just throwing their energy out the window for things they have no control over, and they're staying miserable. Um, so if you're getting stressed over these things that you can't control, one of the things you want to look at is... What's my motivation for getting stressed out over these things? Am, it, am I just living mindlessly and I'm getting stressed out and not even thinking to myself, is this worth my energy? Or am I getting stressed out over these things that I can't control because I'm trying to avoid dealing with, avoid dealing with what is really stressing me out? So I'm projecting my stress other places. Hmm. 
Um, this happens a lot during the holidays because people are getting back together with family that they may or may not have the best relationship with. Uh, people are faced with a lot of financial issues if they're trying to buy presents and they can't afford it they may have some self-esteem issues tied up in that there's a lot of reasons people get stressed during the holidays and they can project that onto other people they can turn that into being um, negative cognitively and withdrawing from positive social support not just any old social support but we want to have the positive stuff in there uh, so if we see people socially withdrawing we can say hmm they may be struggling a little bit now they could be trying to get away from everybody else's negativity so it's not necessarily a bad thing but when when you look at these things in the totality of the situation for that person what's going on is this in, in, wow, I can't talk today. Is this indicative of an impending relapse? So unique triggers around the holidays, and I just kind of lumped them all together here, um, and I'm sure I forgot some, but basically from the end of October until January 2, um, people have a lot of family and social gatherings. You get together with family, or maybe your family's across the country, so you can't get together with them, um, and it intensifies your sense of disconnection and isolation. Social gatherings, lots of times social gatherings are for you and a plus one, and if you don't have a plus one, people sometimes feel um, not good or more depressed if, if they're not with someone else during the holidays, which takes us to loneliness. Um, as loneliness happens, um, as people go through holidays, if they don't have anywhere to be or if they don't have the same friends to be with, even if it's just because they recently moved, maybe they moved across country, so it's not practical to get back with their old, you know, family and friends for, for the holidays, it can contribute greatly to a sense of loneliness. Um, abundant food and drink, if... Eating issues are part of someone's um, condition, whether, you know, eating disorders, depression, emotional eating, and drink. And when I'm talking about drink, I'm talking alcoholic drink. It's there. It's available. Just about every party you go to, there's going to be alcohol available unless it's specifically a dry party which most aren't. So people have to figure out how they're going to deal with this if they're going to um, participate in some of the holiday festivities with especially like coworkers and friends. There are lots of additional time demands because you have work, plus you have getting gifts, and you have calling people, and you have holiday parties, and you have this, and you have that. It gets exhausting. When people are going through the holidays, it's really hard to find time to do a lot of stuff. And that takes us back to living mindlessly. Um, it's important for people to really budget their time, not only if they're in recovery, but period. Let's not make it so somebody is mentally exhausted and stressed out from the holidays. We want them to be excited. Some people's reaction to all of these holidays is, what do I have to be thankful for? They're focusing on a lot of their losses. And, you know, it's not for me to say, well, let's not focus on those right now. Let's focus on what you have. Sometimes the losses are so palpable or so raw that um, 
it's hard for people to uh, get excited about Thanksgiving. It's hard for people to get excited about Christmas. The yes, the the short days, um, as somebody pointed out, um, do go into it as because we have seasonal affective disorder. I remember one of the places that I worked, you know, I worked there for 14 years, and my office, it was a big square building, but all of our offices were in the interior corridor, so none of us had windows. And I would go to work, and it would be dark, and I would leave work, and it would be dark. And if I didn't actually make time to leave my office and go outside, I wouldn't see the sunlight. Um, so my circadian rhythms got a little bit wonky. Um, vitamin D went down. Depression went up. Um, so we know that during this period of time when there is less sunlight, it's more important for people to be cognizant of getting outside, getting some sunlight, going to the doctor, making sure that they have um, adequate levels of vitamin D, and just to take care of themselves um, because it does feel like there are fewer hours in the day to get things done since it's dark so much. Um, some people, when they're watching the movies that are on TV and reminiscing, and they want that beaver cleaver Christmas. They want that perfect Christmas. And when it doesn't happen, they feel a sense of loss. They feel a sense of being gypped. Uh, the holidays also serve as reminders of losses, especially losses of other people, um, because they're not with you during the holidays. Financial stresses abound during the holidays, and for some people, and this is more pertaining to New Year's, people are like, New Year's, great, why should I celebrate? It's the same stuff, different day. And they get frustrated because they feel stuck. They don't feel like there's any hope that anything's going to get better. So now that you're all so excited about the holidays, let's talk about what to do. Family and social gatherings. If the person has to be there, help them figure out how to cope with the people they don't want to be around. Because most of the time, um, there are a few people in your family that you don't mind hanging out with, or at least one or two. Figuring out who, the, who those people are and how you're going to hang around them and try to avoid some of the people that you don't want to spend as much time around. Positive mantras, things that you can tell yourself. I can do this. I'm good enough. Sometimes one of my clients had a very, very uh, critical family member. And so before she would go into these uh, parties or family get-togethers, she would just tell herself, you know, so-and-so is going to find something to be critical about. So let's hope she does it quickly and gets it out of the way. That was kind of her positive mantra, so she was prepared for it. She knew that it was coming and could sort of brace for it, understanding that it was more about the other person than it was about her. Don't give the people that are you're not wanting to spend time around your power and reward them by feeding in. So if they want to be nasty, if they want to be negative, if they want to be critical, um, you can let it hurt you. You can let it get you angry or you can just let it go. And one of the things that's true about a lot of addicts and sometimes people who aren't, um, who don't have ad addictions as well is that we are control freaks. So it's important to 
use the word, give them your power. Because most people are like, oh, uh-uh, I'm not giving anybody anything. Um, so power is a good thing to phrase it. Rehearse coping strategies and refusal skills. In session and even driving to whatever the party is, rehearse those coping se- strategies in your mind. Imagine the situation because you're going to remember it better if you actually play the whole situation through in your mind, um, whereas, you know, as, as opposed to just saying, okay, well, if somebody says this, then I'm going to do this. You need to actually imagine yourself in a situation and walk it through. And like I said earlier, identify two or three people you want to shadow. Generally, you can find a couple people in whatever situation, whether it's an office party or a family get-together, that you don't mind spending time around. If it's an unsafe situation, and this is one that is going to trigger depression, anxiety, anger, or addiction, rehearse how to politely decline an invitation. Sometimes there is enough toxic stuff in a family or in an environment that it's just not something the person is at a point they can deal with. Maybe six months down the road when their coping skills are stronger, when their stress is lower, sure. But right now, it's not a safe situation for them to be in. And that's a hard decision for a lot of people to make. But it's one we can help them figure out, you know, the pros and cons of going to this party or the pros and cons of uh, doing this activity. I love Dr. Seuss's quote, those who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind. Um, And it's not exactly true. Obviously, if it's a company party and your boss minds, he does matter. Uh, But in general, if you have to decline an invitation and you, you know, do it politely and people understand... Um, those who care about you understand and they don't mind. You know, they may want you there. They may be a little disappointed, but they get it. Um, And it's important to have the person identify a legitimate reason they can't go. So depending on the person, they may not want to say exactly what's going on. Um, They may be able to find another reason they can't go. Um, But it has to be legitimate. It can't just be something they pulled out of the air like, uh, my dog's sick. Um, They need to have, they need to have something where the person goes, okay, I get it. Loneliness. Invitations, a lot of times, ask for a plus one. And if you don't have a plus one, it just kind of rubs your nose in it that you're all alone. People are shopping for everyone else, um, which can be really devastating if you don't have anybody to shop for. Maybe you don't have any kids. Maybe you just moved somewhere and you don't have family close by. Maybe you're estranged from everyone because of a variety of circumstances and you don't have anyone to shop for. One thing people can do is shop for the less fortunate. Um, You know, shop for toys for tots. Do something like that. People are going to family gatherings If you don't have a family gathering to go to, you can feel left out. Find other people without a place to go and invite them over. Um, I Thanksgiving is like my favorite holiday of all holidays, and I don't think anybody should have to spend Thanksgiving alone if they don't want to. So we always have, you know, lots of people come over for Thanksgiving because it's important to me that they feel like they're not alone. Um. 
Um, if you don't want to do that, if you don't want to invite, you know, semi-strangers over to your house, um, you can go hiking. So you're not sitting at home thinking about how everybody else is sitting around the table eating turkey or whatever it is. Commune with your higher power. Your higher power is always there, so you're never alone. Hmm, there's a thought. Skype or FaceTime or VC or whatever video chatting program you use, it's not the same as being there, but it does help some. I know when I was uh, moving to Nashville, my family was in Virginia, and a lot of times I would keep the uh, video chat app open most of the time when I was at home. That way my kids could come by and you know, say hi or ask me a question, and I felt like I was more part of their lives at that point instead of just calling them on the phone for a few minutes. I felt a little less lonely. Abundant food and drink. If overeating or engaging um, in alcoholic beverages is a problem, uh, don't go somewhere famished because if you do, you're likely to gorge. Stay as far away from the buffet table as you can. Now, this isn't just for people with eating disorders. This can be for people who tend to emotionally eat or people who tend to eat too much and then feel guilty about it. If you hang out by the buffet table, you're probably going to snack and munch a lot more and be more mindless in your eating. Eat mindlessly, mindfully if you have to eat. So you're not eating out of stress. You're actually getting a plate and you're sitting down and you're thinking about what you're eating, not just randomly munching while you talk to people. Choose lower calorie options. Yeah, you know, those veggie plates are a lot lower calorie. They may not seem as appealing, but if you want to have something that you have the option of, you know, constantly having that hand-to-mouth thing going on, that's an option. Get smaller helpings. Instead of a great big old spoonful, get, you know, a fourth of a spoonful. If it's a potluck, bring a lower calorie dish. That way you know you have at least something that you can eat. Actively sip on water or low calorie drinks. Again, that gets that hand to mouth thing going on. So you don't feel like you're being deprived. You're not just walking around with your hands in your pockets going, everybody else is eating. I want to eat. Um, have a battle buddy. If you can go to whatever the get-together is with someone who is also trying to control their consumption, that can help. Play the tape through before you eat or drink something. Say, if I eat this right now, then what's going to happen and how am I going to feel after the party's over? Same thing, if I have this drink, you know, maybe it's something I really want now, but am I going to stop with one? What's going to happen next, and how am I going to feel after the party's over or tomorrow morning? If you cook at your own house, then you can control how much fat and calories and stuff is in there, but you also probably want to send the leftovers away so you're not sitting there staring at sweet potato pie and whatever other goodies that you happen to make. Time demands. Time, dem time management is a priority because everybody wants you to be somewhere. Um, so it's important to identify what you can let go of to make time for seasonal demands. So one of the things, I live on a farm, and one of the blessings when it comes close to the holiday season is the grass quits growing as much. Um, so I don't have to mow every single week. 
which mowing our property takes about four hours. So that frees up quite a bit of time. What else can you do to make time for seasonal demands? You know, you may cut back on some of your um, five-course meal cooking and do something a little bit easier for dinner. Look at a crock pot or a uh, pressure cooker. Love my pressure cooker. Um, you don't have to stay for hours when you do go somewhere, though. If you go to a party or a get-together, you can go in, you can make nice, work the room a little bit, an hour, 90 minutes later, you can leave. It's not like you've got to stay from the time it starts until it's time to clean up. For the person who says, what do I have to be thankful for? Well, yeah, um, that's all obviously a therapeutic issue that you're not going to be able to work through in one session. Sometimes it's helpful for people to um, do things for others who are less fortunate. Whether they feel like they've got something to be thankful for or not, they are bringing joy and happiness to other people. And in a way, it gives them an opportunity to focus on people who are even less fortunate than they are. Um, volunteering at a soup kitchen or Habitat for Humanity, handing out blankets to the homeless. Um, a lot of times there are 12-step celebrations of, with people who um, are in recovery. And it's going to be a dry get-together, so there's no stress there, no threat there. And a lot of times these 12-step celebrations are the people who don't have other family to go hang out with, whether their family is not physically present in the city or the county, or it's just not a safe place for them to be. So look at local meetings if your client happens to be someone in recovery and encourage them to take advantage of that. If they're not in addiction recovery, you know, that's fine. Look at some of the activities that may be going on at different churches that the client goes to, um, different uh, social organizations in your local area, even um, uh, meetup. Sometimes there are meetups that you can just Google, meet. I think it's meetup.com, and find things that are going on during the holidays for those people who don't have somewhere else to be. If they sit around at home, they're likely more likely to focus on all the things they're not thankful for. Encourage them to review their gratitude journal and write in it. Um, yes, we have to deal with the reasons that they have lost hope, the reasons that they don't feel like they have anything to be thankful for. But we also need to balance that with increasing the positive. We need to deal with the negative, but also increase the positive. So what good happened today? You know, it may not be a big thing. You know, maybe you didn't win the lottery. But you got up, you got dressed, you went out, your car started. Woohoo, got to love that. Got to work safely, got to work on time. You know, the little things that we don't, um, that, that we often take for granted. And you can look at visiting the sick. Um, sometimes you can go to hospitals and visit other people. This has to be done with um, advanced preparation. Most hospitals have volunteer training programs you've got to go, go through. One of the programs at Shands in Florida, they had a program to hold premature infants. And a lot of people love doing that because, you know, they're babies and babies are cute. 
you can also go visit animals at the pound. That usually makes me more sad, but <laughs> that's how I ended up with so many animals. Anyhow, the Beaver Cleaver Christmas. What is it about what you perceive as the Beaver Cleaver Christmas that you envy? You know, Ward and June Cleaver, everybody was happy. They had lots of presents. What was it or what is it that you wish you had? And how can you make that happen? You know, maybe your parents weren't Ward and June Cleaver. You know, most people's parents weren't. So how can you create a situation now where the holiday is filled with love and happiness and all that stuff? Avoid watching holiday specials that get you upset. If you watch things um, that are going to make you envious, that are going to make you regretful um, or resentful of what you didn't have or what you don't have, then don't watch them. Reminders of losses. Even years after a death, holidays can remind you of someone. One of the things I encourage my clients to do is figure out how can you celebrate that person on that holiday. Um, if it's too difficult for someone to celebrate that person, you know, it may be too raw or it may just be such a traumatic event that they don't want to go there. It's something that we need to figure out how they're going to deal with because it's going to be ever-present. And focus on what you have and where you want to go. If you've lost, maybe you were um, uh, in a town that was hit by a tornado and you lost all your material possessions and now it's, it's Christmas and you're expected to be giving out presents and you don't have the money for presents or whatever the case is, um, you may be reminded that you don't have the financial ability to do it. You may be reminded of all the tangible things that you lost. But we can't get those back. So what do we need to do? We need to help the person focus on what they do have and where they want to go, what they want to get back, and how to do it. So start making an action plan. During this time, it's, it's almost like cleaning out your closet. Because when they say, well, I lost my house. Okay, tell me about what it is, what was it about your house that was meaningful to you, except for it was your house. You know, do you have to have another 7,000 square foot house? Or can any house be a home given the right circumstances? And people can really start examining their priorities, not necessarily what they want to do during the holiday season. It's important, however, to understand that these issues are going to come up. So how is the person going to deal with it? If they start remembering their significant other who passed away, um, died of a drug overdose, and they start getting really sad, what is their action plan? How are they going to cope with that in order to prevent themselves from going further down that relapsed path to a full-blown episode of depression or addiction? Financial stresses. The holidays, unfortunately, have become very commercialized, and that's unfortunate for a lot of people because they can't afford to buy a bunch of stuff. Identify free activities. There are lots of cities that have um, Christmas lights on display. I know here in Middle Tennessee, the uh, Opryland Hotel does up their um, center area, whatever they call it, with all kinds of lights every year. And it's, you can spend two hours walking around in there. And the nice thing is it's inside and it's free, so you're not freezing. 
and it's not expensive. Make something for someone. You may not be super handy crafty, and that's okay. You can take pictures. You can go through pictures that you have of maybe you and that other person and make an album. Or if they're digital pictures, even cheaper, you can make a slideshow and save it as, you know, how a movie or a video and send it to them. You can create a humor book. Find silly memes and put them all together. And again, it can be digital or a digital scrapbook. So these are all things that you can do for free. And most everybody knows how to download pictures and do simple crop and paste sort of things. So those are ways that people can say, I was thinking about you and you're meaningful to me without having to spend a whole bunch of money. In therapy, people can explore why the material possessions are important to them and whether those possessions and having stuff is in their top three to five values. You know, if we talk about values-oriented action and doing things that are getting you closer to your values, is it more important to create a situation where people know you love and care about them, or is it more important to make sure that you give them the most expensive gift? Another year, same stuff, different day. So identify what you want to be different next year. One of the things, one of the main reasons I find people get this attitude is they don't know how to set goals. So score, this is something we are really talented at helping people do. Set goals. Set smart goals. We can help them look at what they did wrong before, why their goals failed before. We can help them tweak those to make more effective goals for this year. Part of goal setting is also maintaining that motivation because any change is going to get rough at some point in time. You know, it's not just going to be a walk in the park every day. So on the days that it feels a little bit more like drudgery, how do you maintain your motivation? Because that's, even if the goal was really good, if they didn't know how to maintain their motivation or understand the necessity of paying attention to this, then goals likely failed. So this is one we can really help people with easily and, and relatively quickly. Prevent vulnerabilities. The risk of relapse will decrease as people's capacity to self-regulate thinking, feeling, memory, judgment, and behavior increases. So self-regulate their thinking, being mindful of what thoughts are going in and out and what they're holding on to versus what, in, what they're letting just kind of come and go right on through. This is where mindfulness comes in super-duper helpful, um, effectively. What's going on when they can't regulate their own feelings? And we've talked about a lot of different techniques to help people identify their feelings and regulate them, even if it's just basic dialectical behavior therapy skills. Learning emotional regulation is crucial because if they don't feel like they can control their emotions then it's a lot more likely they're going to relapse. And holidays are emotionally charged. Um, when they can self-regulate their memory, which is part of mindfulness, and judgment. When they can think about, is this really what I want to do? We've talked before about helping clients increase that stop between the time when they have a feeling and an impulse and then they actually act on the behavior. They need to stop and go, is this going to get me closer to or further away 
from the things that are important to me leading up to the holidays now if it's already the holidays you know it's too late to prepare for it but leading up to the holidays just like a runner in preparation for a race quits training quite so hard before the race to let the muscles recover and the body prepare leading up to the holidays this is your race this is your sprint towards the end of the year it's important to get plenty of rest and take care of yourself so you have energy to deal with all of the time demands and all of the people and all of the personalities if you don't like crowds shop early and or online you know that's one of those easy ways to prevent a vulnerability I personally hate crowds and I don't really much like shopping either so <laughs> I get real grumpy when I know I've got to go out and navigate through a sea of people to try to pick out 17 presents or however many people are on my shopping list for the Christmas um, so shop early shop online my stepmother used to have all of her Christmas shopping done by the end of July every year identify what has to be done and make a plan and I said has to be does the car have to be washed uh, depends on the person but my comment would be no you know even if it's dirty you know it's not going to not run if it's dirty um, what else has to be done and when we go back to my yard yes I have been known to skip a week and just kind of let it get a little bit wild and wooly if I had other priorities so making sure people can write down what needs to be done and then go through that list because most of the time there are a lot of things on that list that we think need to be done that really don't have to be it would be really nice to get them done and they need to be done eventually but what has to be done this week don't grocery shop hungry if you tend to be an emotional eater or if you tend to stuff your feelings if you grocery shop hungry you're just kind of setting yourself up to buy a bunch of stuff that you probably don't want to have around in the house schedule in fun even if it's not holiday oriented fun do things that you want to do not once a week not once a month every day schedule in something fun even if it's for 15 minutes and reach out to social support even if it's online you may not have a great social support system where you are physically but the great thing about the web and phones and all that stuff is you can reach out to social support touch base with somebody just call to say hi it's, you don't have to call and go I'm having a really bad day today unless you are it's better to reach out and just make that connection with someone most of the time they're probably going to make you laugh or you may find that you're both sharing similar stresses so you can um, talk about how you're how you're dealing with it unfortunately the media tells us this should be and you know how I feel about the word should uh, this should be the happiest time of year for a lot of people that sets them up for depression they're like well everything says I should be happy and I am stinking miserable I can all I'm focusing on is how broke I am and all of the losses I've had so okay that is stuff we can deal with in session but between sessions how can we help you build up on what you want your life to look like you know how can we increase the happiness for you um, holidays highlight losses loneliness and financial stresses that's true 
So it's something we need to talk about in terms of how important are these things to you in the big scheme of things. And what can you do to rectify them if they are a big deal to you? Like we talked about um, free and low-cost activities for financial stresses. You're still doing fun stuff. It's just not costing an arm and a leg. If you're lonely, how can you address that? If you've had a bunch of losses, you can't get those back. So what are we going to do to keep working toward that stage of acceptance? And it's not probably going to happen overnight or in a week or maybe even in a month. But what can we do to make these next couple of weeks on a pain scale with one being no pain at all to five being excruciating depression or emotional pain? What can we do to make your pain scale something more like a two you know so it's not feeling like you are just being cut open without anesthesia constantly relapse prevention involves people knowing what their first signs of relapse are if somebody's first sign of relapse is they go out and they start shopping and engaging in quote retail therapy warning sign if their first sign is that they withdraw from other people you know Look back at prior relapses. And then, you know, whenever that relapse happened, go back six months and trace forward and see where the relapse actually started and what the warning signs were for that person. Most of us have a very habitual pattern of behavior. Prevent getting run down and being vulnerable. Make sure you're getting enough rest. Make sure you're taking care of you. Yes, there's a lot of stuff that needs to be done, but you can't go to the parties if you're flat on your back sick or if you're too depressed to get out of bed. So we've got to set some priorities. Set healthy boundaries. If something is not safe for you, for whatever reason, you know, figure out a way to set that boundary so it's healthy for you. It's not putting you in a situation where you're feeling... Um, like you're going to use or it's making you extremely depressed. And also, as clinicians, we can help people figure out how to deal with the fallout. Because like I said, if you decide that you can't go to this family get-together because it's not safe for you at this point in time, there are going to be some people who probably are upset about it. So how is the client going to handle that? How are they going to handle that without letting that negativity or upsetness throw them into an episode anyway address issues of rejection isolation and failure because these all come up during the holidays if you can't buy the gifts that you wanted to buy if you don't get invited to the parties that you wanted to be invited to um, all of these things can really kind of be brought to the surface think back to high school when it was either homecoming or prom you know if if you want to Put it in perspective if the holidays are just generally grand for you. Um, most of us had a homecoming or a prom where we were sitting there going, well, guess I'm not going to that. Um, and especially as a teenager, it was catastrophic. Um, as adults, that may not seem as big of an issue. But when you're looking at all these um, social situations, it can feel very rejecting. And with social media and everybody talking about where they're going and what they're doing and posting pictures of the dresses or outfits that they have, um, it keeps people 
rubbing their nose in it if you will if they didn't get invited or if they don't have those kind of friends and that's what they want um, so we can help them figure out what do you want and how can you get it and how can you set health goes back to healthy boundaries you may need to take a break from Facebook for a while if it's going to upset you every time you log on and set positive proactive goals like I said we need to deal with the negative deal with the upset deal with the grief all of those dysphoric feelings in counseling true but we also need to remember that it's not only eliminating the negative but enhancing the positive so what can people do to feel more emotionally happy what can people do to have a more positive or optimistic outlook and what can people do behaviorally to help get them more towards where they want to be because they can't work on those proactive positive goals and continue to sort of beat themselves with a wet noodle um, so it works kind of like um, uh, wow what's the word I'm looking for uh, reverse psychology if they're working on the positive they don't have time for the negative so what comments questions suggestions because I know I didn't hit nearly all of the interventions we can do around the holidays and it was um, <laughs> uh, one of the things that I encourage people to do before they go to a social gathering is to think in their mind what is it that I want to get out of this why am I going to this gathering and if it's because the hostess or host is important to them and they want to you know appease that person or be gracious to that person great Go do that and then you know you can leave um, identify what it is or you know do they have to work the whole room are they going because they want a promotion so they need to talk to three people if they set goals or get a mindset about why am I putting myself in this position why am I using my energy for this sometimes it can help them navigate the situation with a little bit more clarity and that's that's definitely true um, about the teens uh, a lot of times teens don't want to go to family gatherings partly because the alcohol and other stuff is there partly because they feel a lot of times they feel misunderstood or judged by the people there which intensifies their desire to use or to escape um, and they want to be with their friends and this is time they can't be with their friends so there's a lot of reasons that uh, teens may not want to go so if a parent understands what's going on they can better buffer the child you know maybe the child has to go um, but and and this is true not only for teens but for younger children um, they have to go but helping the child understand that you know I love you for who you are and you know maybe um, your grandma and grandpa don't have the same values or outlook on things as you do but we still love you and you know we respect your choices so they don't feel like they are um, being ganged up on let's see well thank you everybody for attending today and I'm really glad you were able to be here I would love to hear any more of your suggestions um, and that point uh, scrolling back up here uh, the point that Melinda made about um, providing these tools and we can provide a handout to parents of teens um, that helps them understand some of the things teens may be going through uh, 
during the holidays. So that's, if you enjoy this podcast, please like and subscribe either in your podcast player or on YouTube. You can attend and participate in our live webinars with Dr. Snipes by subscribing at allceus.com slash counselor toolbox. This episode has been brought to you in part by allceus.com, providing 24-7 multimedia continuing education and pre-certification training to counselors, therapists, and nurses since 2006. Use coupon code counselor toolbox to get a 20% discount off your order this month.